The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Mark. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. And all that had been commanded them, they told briefly to those around Peter. And afterwards, Jesus himself sent out through them, from east to west, the sacred an imperishable proclamation of eternal salvation. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of the Holy Trinity, one God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Hallelujah. It gives me such great joy to be able to celebrate this, uh, this Resurrection Sunday with you. And I hope that you, like me, are awash with that joy. It is a great and beautiful day, and especially to gather as a worshiping community to give thanks for the resurrected Christ. I think it was a couple of weeks ago that my wife came across a blog by a woman who is beginning to serve as the priest on the Cheyenne River Reservation in South Dakota. Her name is Margaret Watson. And if you get a chance to uh, look at her blog, she is such a good writer, it's really worthwhile just to read her daily reflections. Her prayers in the morning begin, Dear God, it's Margaret. And it goes from there so simply and captures so beautifully her new ministry on this reservation. There are 11 churches that she is serving, and there's only the help of one deacon. And as I read her blog, I was taken back to an experience that I had on that same reservation in, that, in those mission communities a number of years ago when I was working for the bishop in South Dakota. I had no congregation of my own, so I called Jeffrey Barnes, who was the priest at the time on the Cheyenne River Mission, and I asked him if he'd like some help at Easter. 
And he was delighted to receive the help because with those 11 congregations and only one deacon, what he would often do is celebrate Easter over two and three days. And that was the only way they could all have Easter together. So this year they were going to all have Easter on Easter Day. I got the easy duty. I had three congregations to go to. Jeffrey took four and the deacon took another four. I started out in Eagle Butte, and that's really the center of the mission. And it also is the largest church. And we had well over 100 people at that celebration of the Eucharist. We had a wonderful celebration. And then, as is the tradition in Native communities, uh, you're never really done until you've eaten together, in addition to having gathered for communion. So we had a meal together, fried chicken, ham, coleslaw, cake, fry bread, all the trimmings. And then, after I had eaten with them, I went on to my next assignment, which was Thunder Butte. Aren't the names great? You can, you can just see how important weather is in that part of the world. Thunder Butte is a smaller congregation, and it's in a beautiful spot. It's really one of the most beautiful places that I, I've been, uh, but only if you really like wide open spaces. There were fewer worshipers, but a good congregation for that uh, particular church. We had about 40 with us that day. We had a wonderful celebration of the Eucharist. And then, of course, again, we gathered for a feast of fried chicken, ham, coleslaw, cake, fried bread, and all the trimmings. I managed then to go on to the next congregation. It was Iron Lightning. Iron Lightning is also located in a beautiful spot. The church itself is, a, is up on a hill. And because I believe it's true in the Lakota language, there's no word for time. Uh, the way that they come to church is when, if the pre, when the priest comes, they see the car come to the church, they would all gather. And when the, the elders decided that everybody was there who needed to be there, then church would begin. There were some wonderful people who came. One of the readers was uh, one of the uh, elders, a woman in the congregation, who I remember read with such depth of spirit that it was just really very moving. And I noticed that other members of the congregation were moved as well as she read that morning. We also had a couple of dogs who joined us who wanted to be a part of the Easter celebration. And we had a wonderful time together. There were about 20 of us, I think, gathered that day. Well, of course, we ended with a feast of fried chicken, coleslaw, ham, cake, fried bread with all the trimmings. And even I can have too much of that. And since then, I have often valued those modest meals that are possible on Easter Day. But besides the unending large feasts that we had, what I remember most about that Easter was an experience that I had at uh, Iron Lightning. What I found there was a community of hope that believed in the resurrection in a way that was almost tangible. The first way I think that that was revealed was in the, the story of what had happened to their church. Uh, for whatever reason, it had become abandoned. It, it, it had fallen into disrepair to the point where it had to be really rebuilt. And there was one young woman in that congregation who was one of the fortunate ones to have work. Because on those reservations, uh, the unemployment rate is consistently about 80 percent. 
she had a job. So she, after her, her job during the day, she would come to the church and she started to tear out the walls and she tore out the ceiling and then started to put up drywall. And as she began to work on that skeleton of a church, others joined her, became a part of that effort. And they started to form a congregation, a community of faith once again. They actually, over the next year, became so enthusiastic about what they had done together that they applied for and received a grant from the United Thank Offering of the Episcopal Church. And with that, they built a guild hall, which we would call a parish house, a place where they could gather, really the whole community could gather for all kinds of events. Well, when I think about that particular congregation, I think of that young woman and the vision that she had in the midst of so much despair. It was just uh, how could anyone think that it would be possible to restart that congregation? But there was another thing that happened while we were there that really surprised me. After we had completed the feast, then they told me we were all going to gather and, and take food down to the, to the graves, which were in the cemetery down by the river. So we walked down to the river and they put out the food on the graves. And for the children's graves, they had plates with toys and with the, the kind of food that kids enjoy. And then they said, would you say a prayer? Say a prayer for our ancestors, for those who have gone on before us. And I realized that that was probably something out of the native tradition that uh, we don't normally experience in the Christian church. But there was so much hope in that hope for new life, a realization that the saints really were all around us, that we were surrounded by that great cloud of witnesses. There was a real sense on that Easter day that we did truly believe in new life, in resurrection. We really believed that death was not the final answer. Well, I tell you all of this because I think it's sometimes helpful for us to see those things that we take for granted through someone else's eyes. And for me, it was through the eyes of these native people. I'm sure that I was struggling with some of my own uh, problems at that time. There were every, we all have problems. We all have things that we're struggling with from time to time. But when I came into these communities, my problems were pretty small. These were communities that had suffered abuse for generations. And yet, they could find hope. Yet, out of that despair, they could find a reason to live, and not just live, but to declare the risen Christ. Well, today, we celebrate the central event of the Christian faith. Theologian Jürgen Moltmann said that Christianity stands or falls with the reality of the risen Christ raised from the dead by God. The life revealed in the resurrected Jesus is qualitatively new. We celebrate something that is transformational. It transforms us. And we see it first in the disciples. If you remember from the gospel account, the disciples were afraid. They hid. They didn't even go to the cross. There were a couple of them there, and then the women were there. But most of the disciples were locked up, perhaps in the upper room, where they had had a supper with Jesus before he died. They didn't even go to the tomb. The women went to the tomb. 
These were people who were afraid of life. They were afraid of what was lying ahead of them. But after they met the risen Christ, they are transformed. They're nothing like they were before. And we see them not afraid of anything in their life and a willingness to proclaim what they knew to be true, that Jesus was risen from the dead, that he no longer was dead. I saw in those two things, in Iron Lightning, things that made my Easter complete and helped me to see my life, I think, in better perspective in terms of the resurrection. At first, I saw how a community of faith could be transformed by the faith of one person who had a vision of resurrection. And the other thing that I saw was a deep and abiding faith in the belief that death is not the final answer. It does not end at the grave. One of the most beautiful things that we say in the burial office, and we also say at the grave, is that it does not end there. And our song is always, Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Easter Day is not just another religious holiday. It's not just another reason to get together with family and friends. At its heart, it is a call to each one of us. It is the nudging of the Spirit in a way that only you and the Spirit know. It's a nudging to new life. It's a nudging that says, yes, this is difficult, but I have overcome. I will be with you through it all. And always remember, death is not the final word. May you be blessed this Easter day and throughout this Easter season with a new awareness of the joy that only can come from the living God in Christ. That only that living God can transform us and can transform us from despair and death into hope and life. Amen.